Nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We're joined by Stephen Moore of the Heritage Foundation. Hello, Stephen. Hi, great to be with you. I'm sorry I was... It's been chaos in Washington, D.C. today because of the funeral, which was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I was, I'm still kind of choked up by it. It was just an amazing, uh, amazing uh, event. And, you know, it was uh, all the presidents there and the, the tribute to George H.W. Bush was just beautiful. Stephen, we were talking about that earlier in the show today, and uh, it's tough to put much of what's taking place in modern America in context when you consider the great life of George H.W. Bush, and especially when you see the salute that Bob Dole gave him yesterday. Uh, well, you know, that's a, such a great point, and uh, I know we're supposed to be talking about the economy, but, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. You know, Bob Dole has uh, been a friend of mine for many years while I've been in politics, but, you know, he and I have also duped it out. Sometimes we've disagreed on things, but I saw him about... Um, a year ago at a, a restaurant and he was in his wheelchair and, you know, I came up to him and by the way, his memory is amazing. He's, he, mm-hmm. I don't know him that well. He said, hey, Steve, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, and I just, you know, I just said I wanted to say hi. And, and I said, you know, I don't even know how it came up, but I said, you know, my father was a, uh, he was in the Pacific in World War II. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, you two have something in common. He said, oh, well, how old's your dad? I said, well, he's 93. He said, well, I, I want to call him. <laughs> and I said, well, my dad, you know, because my dad at that time, he passed away two mm-hmm. years ago. I said, he's, you know, uh, he's kind of old and frail. I said, well, I want to call him. And he did. And it just meant so much to me. What a great man Bob Dole is. And, and you know, when you think about it, John McCain, Bob Dole, and George H.W. Bush are three great, great American heroes. And two of them have now passed. And it's just, uh, we, don't, we don't have heroes like that today. Stephen, you've worked as an economist for uh, not only the current administration, but others. Is that correct? Uh, I did. I worked for, well, I, the main thing is I worked for um, for uh, Donald Trump during the campaign, but also had the privilege in the last year of the, of the Reagan administration to work for the Gipper, which was a great, great, great honor as well. So uh, I've been really blessed by uh, some of the people that I've worked with over my lifetime. I read your report, uh, your writing last week. It appeared in the uh, the website, The Hill. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you is uh, I want you to help us understand why you were able to say, the, uh, I'm referring to the most recent government report, which, of course, uh, predicts calamity and we're all going to melt to death in 100 years from now. And it's your belief or your insistence that this is yet another government report that's been gotten completely wrong. Is that correct? Well, that's exactly right. When I first came to Washington, I worked for a great economist named Julian Simon. And if people have not looked, no, if people do not who know who great, late, great Julian Simon was, they should uh, Google him. He was amazing. And, you know, this report came out under the Carter administration calling for total doom and gloom. It said, you know, in 1980, that by the year 2000, 
you know, the world would be overpopulated and we'd be running out of oil and gas and food and people would be starving to death. And it was just this incredible, uh, you know, pessimistic report about the future. And Julian Simon single-handedly, you know, took said every single word of this report. And by the way, this was also a report by hundreds and hundreds of government scientists. Mm-hmm. And they got it all, every single prediction they made was wrong. And I just pointed out that these people who make all these apocalyptic predictions as the global warming people do, they don't understand that uh, we adapt as human beings. We, f- we find ways to deal with crises. Nobody thought 10 years ago that we would triple the amount of oil and gas we have, but we did it through innovation, through sh- the shale oil and gas revolution. And, you know, look, if climate change is really the crisis that, you know, the left seems to think it is, it's not going to be, we're not going to solve that crisis through government or through the United Nations. I mean, can you imagine the United Nations no. <laughs> changing the world? No. As temperature is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It will be solved through innovation and technology and, and human know-how. And so that's the point that I've always liked to make about this is that, you know, let's not depend on government, for goodness sakes, to solve these crises because they're not going to solve the problem. And, and uh, you know, the, the idea that somehow the we're going to give up America's fossil fuels. I mean, we, we, we get 80% of our energy for fossil fuels. It's the, it's the craziest thing that somehow we're going to, we're going to eliminate uh, all fossil fuels in the United States when we have more oil, gas, and coal than any other country in the world. What do you think ultimately is attempting to be brought about here? Why, why this litany of constant hysteria? You go all the way back to Paul Ehrlich uh, from yeah. Stanford, and I remember, right. I remember buying into that as, a, as, a, uh, as an uninformed college student becoming terribly alarmed because, what, 1968, Paul Ehrlich said we're doomed and the population bomb will kill us yeah. and we won't have enough food. None yeah. of that has come true. You know, it's so, so funny that you, you should mention Paul Ehrlich because famously Julian Simon had a bet that made the front page of the New York Times where he bet uh, Paul Ehrlich that none of his predictions would actually come through, true. And they had this famous bet, and it turned out that Ehrlich was wrong on every prediction he made, and Julian Simon was right. You know, and by the way, Paul Ehrlich's book called The Population Bomb, you're right, it came out in, I think, around 1968. That book was a mega bestseller. It was one of the best-selling uh, books of all times. He t- he showed up on the Johnny Carson show. Yes, he did nine times. Yes, <laughs> he became a cult hero, and of course, everything that he said was wrong. Now, look, that doesn't mean the scientists are wrong now, but it does mean you know. When I was on CNN the other night, they said, well, why would all these predictions be made? And I said, because we have created in the United States and around the world a climate change industrial complex. People are getting really, really, really rich off of this. There's Mm -hmm. billions and billions, if not tens of billions of dollars that are going to this industry to promote these uh, catastrophic predictions. Why is the left so desperate to believe this? And second part of the question, why does this seem to be a peculiar cause of just the left? Well, that's a great question. Why is the le- I think that the, the answer is the left um, is pessimistic by nature. Mm-hmm. They believe that the economy is going to crash down, uh, that we're, the environment, whether it's nuclear winter or, you know, we're running out of oil, we're running out of food, we're going to have mass starvation on the planet, uh, you know, uh, acid rain is going to do us in. And remember, by the way, do you remember 30 years ago, they said it was going to be a second ice age right. that was right. going to do us in. Right. <laughs> so now they're, now they're saying, the planet is warming when 30 years ago they said the planet was freezing. So I don't know. I mean, I think that they're just 
I think the answer is because all of these apocalyptic claims demand government action, right? They keep saying, well, that only the government, uh, by giving up our rights and our freedoms, can we stop the, you know, this apocalypse from happening. And and my point is, no, it's human freedom and liberty uh, and human advance and progress and capitalism that solves the world's problems. It doesn't create them. Well, absolutely. Prosperity is the only hope. Exactly. Exactly. If, if in fact, this is happening, only prosperity would solve it. Uh, you get an A in economics. <laughs> You're Not exactly really. <laughs> right. It's prosperity and it's ingenuity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's people going out and solving the problems. You know, th- let me give you just one example is the, is the uh, shale oil and gas boom that we have in this country. You know, that oil and gas has been there for hundreds of thousands of years. It's just we finally figured out through an amazing innovation how to actually get at this oil and gas. And now all of a sudden, remember people used to predict peak oil? Yes. No, I hope nobody out there thinks we're running out of oil and gas. We're running into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why, what are we to make of the scientists? Uh, taken individually, they're, they're decent human beings. I can't accuse them of disingenuousness or lying. Or w- what, what, what are we to make of, of, of so-called scientific consensus? Well, it's a perversion of science. What you've got going on now is the science uh, chases the federal dollars. So, you know, if you pay people enough money, you know, billions and billions of dollars to say that the grass is orange, they'll say that the grass is orange. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and this, you know, it's, it's also this bias that, look, if you're a climate scientist, if you say there's no climate change coming, then why would anybody even care about climate scientists? So right. the way you keep, get people to pay attention to you is you tell people that we're going to face an apocalypse unless, you know, uh, you fund my program at the University of Miami or, you, you know, you fund my project at NASA or whatever it is. So I think there's a bias among scientists to get noticed by claiming doom and gloom. The doom and gloom report issued last week by the government, the one uh, which you commented on, uh, two things struck me about it. One, uh, one of the claims was that it's 1.8 degrees warmer today than it was 100 years ago. Uh, A, I don't know that. And B, the thought that immediately struck me is, would you rather live today or 100 years ago? Yeah, well, that's a great point. I mean, in fact, I wrote a book about this that I'd refer people to called It's Getting Better All the Time. It's about the history of the last 100 years in terms of every trend, whether it's infant mortality rates, life expectancy, pollution levels. I mean, let me give you an example. Most young people think pollution was less you know, 50 and 100 years ago today. Oh, my it God. Today, it was horribly worse. Yeah, it was horribly worse. The air quality, was. we've reduced contaminations in the air by 70% in the last 50 years. We, the drinking water, people say, oh, the drinking water used to be so clean. Are you kidding? One out of every four deaths 100 years ago was from contaminants in the drinking water. So, you know, all we did, what, here's the way it works. Prosperity, as you just put it, means that we we put a higher emphasis on environmental quality. And so it's countries that are free and prosperous that have a cleaner environment than, say, Mexico City or, or uh, you know, Moscow or Lima, Peru. They're, the reason they're polluted is because they're poor. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that... Uh do you believe that the left has developed the idea? Well, not I, I won't even pin this on the left. Let's let me rephrase it. Do you believe there is a faction of of world citizens who believe that man is bigger than nature and thus can control it? I think there are a lot of leftists who who believe that um, you know environmentalism is a very atheistic 
religion. They believe they, what they do is worship the created, not the creator. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that man's imprint on the earth is negative. But of course, no, our imprint on the earth is, is positive, not just for us, but for the animals and for the plants and so on. I mean, there are more trees on the North American continent today than there were 400 years ago. Most people are shocked by that. That's because all we've been doing is growing, growing trees for the last several hundred years, and yet most people think we're running out of trees. The other uh, uh, thing that struck me about the government's report last week as I read it is it was a it was a uh, undoubtedly a tremendous litany of predicted calamities, but I searched high and low. What, what evidence am I supposed to believe of that? Well, the most hilarious thing in that report was they said that the economy will be 10% smaller 80 years from now if we don't take action. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I deal with this stuff every day. The government can't even predict what the economy is going to be next year. <laughs> How can they possibly predict the economy in 2100? And by the way, all you have to do is increase the economic growth rate of the United States by 0.01% per year, and you'll, the economy will be 25% bigger. So growth is what makes us prosperous, not you know taking away our energy supply. If you take away our energy supply, you're going to contract the economy to by 25% and not by the year 2100. That's going to happen right away. Let me, let me try it once more. Maybe I didn't ask it correctly. What do you think is driving the hysteria? Is that just to get a paycheck? I, I, look, I think people are, uh, their, their judgment has been perverted First of all, there's a group think here that because these certain scientists say it's true, then every scientist say, I mean, you look at all these scientists who say that this is happening, they don't know anything about climate science. They just think, well, this person said it's true, so I, it must be true. There are, you know, you've heard this idiotic lie that 98% of scientists believe in climate change. That's not I true. Mean, that, that, there are hundreds and hundreds of very outstanding MIT economists, I mean, uh, MIT scientists who say that it's, the evidence is very uh, murky on this. So, you know, look, the good news is the bad news is wrong here. And if there is a problem, we're going to solve this problem by growing our economy, becoming more prosperous, and let, letting the private sector deal with it, not government bureaucrats and politicians. What we've routinely said on this show is, what is the temperature supposed to be? What's the temperature today, Rook? What is it, about 20? I don't know what the temperature is supposed to be. It's 27. <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to be. And yeah, I'll never well, know what it's supposed to be. As I said, remember, just 40 years ago, these scientists who said that the Earth is warming said that the Earth is cooling. So if they change their mind over 40 years, maybe 20 years from now they'll change their mind again, and they'll say, nope, we're wrong, it's not, it's not warming, it's cooling. Anyway, well, I have to run up into another meeting, uh, you know, meeting with some of the people here in town for the funeral, but very, very uh, uh, much appreciate the opportunity to be on your show today. Well, let's stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Wow. I didn't get to ask him one final thing. I don't think this is the last time he'll ever be on your but podcast. But his people warned me that uh, because of Bush's funeral today, he would be uh, scurrying about. I'm sure he'll join you again for another at another point. I what? think it's pretty cool that he made time for us in spite of the fact what, that there One was of the things funeral. I wanted to say is we, we need to also take into context the phenomenon of more people living in harm's way than they used to. In other words, right. hurricanes have hit Florida for you know a thousand years. But now they're hitting uh, places in Florida that, where people have clamored to build and live and live close to the water. Well, it stands to reason you're placing your, uh, you're placing your homes and your lives at right. risk. You know? <clears throat> well, thank you, Stephen Moore. He's, uh, I think he'll be on again with I, you. I, I think so. All yeah, right. that's yeah. not a problem. Yeah.
Joe Souchere here for Federated Insurance. I'm not a math guy, but here are a couple of numbers that should get your attention. 2,440,000 injured and 35,092 dead. Those are National Safety Council vehicle numbers from 2015. Federated Insurance reminds us that these are much more than statistics. These are family members, friends, and neighbors. Distracted driving continues to be an epidemic, but unfortunately, it's not the only factor in vehicle crashes. It could be this way. A driver is running late, making a delivery, and is speeding. When traffic came to a halt from road construction, the driver can't stop in time and strikes the rear of another vehicle, causing a four-car chain reaction and multiple serious injuries. Ask yourself, do you accelerate when a traffic light turns yellow? Do you decrease your speed during bad weather or in road construction zones? Do you make a full stop at stop signs? The National Safety Council reports nearly one-third of traffic fatalities occurred in speed-related crashes. Think about that and don't become a statistic. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's their business to protect yours. Here's Joe Suchere. Offsite contributor John Ryan made a piece available to me. Yesterday we commented that a woman for Yahoo uh, thought Christmas Story was uh, dreadful. Yes. And she was a dark person. He gave me a story. I remember seeing this a few years ago. It was in the New York Times about a guy who bought the home in Cleveland where the exterior shots yeah. were uh, taken for a Christmas story. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's he's transform the home into a museum and gets thousands and thousands and thousands of visitors a year. But you want the next show that's just been uh, power washed? Come on. Oh, yeah, we got another one. Daily, it's the daily power washing. I've never uh, I've never heard of this one. Veggie Tales? No, oh, not yeah. Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales. It's power washed. as innocent as can be. No, no, it's racist. <laughs> Racist, you they're fool. They're vegetables. Yeah, no, no, they're racist vegetables. <laughs> How so? Well, it comes from the failed yeah, academy. Of course. A group of students at a California college's annual whiteness forum. Sure. Labeled, uh, is it a Christian children's cartoon? Apparently it's called a Christian children's cartoon. Veggie so. Tales. I'm unaware of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't, I, I didn't know there was Christian. How can a vegetable have any theological identity? Oh, they got stuff. Much less be Maybe racist. They do unto other veggies as you would want done unto you. <laughs> well, these college students are labeling Veggie Tales as dangerous and promoting racial stereotypes for making the villains colored. They're they're bleeping vegetables. The forum at Cal State San Marcos is a project from Professor Dreama Moon's class called. The communication of whiteness. See, let me stop right there. Yeah, hit Check the brakes. Hit the brakes. I, I have a theory about classes with those names. See, if if it's a class you can't flunk, it's not a class. Right. right. It's like art. If I can do it, it's not it's art. It's not art. <laughs> How do you flunk anything called the communication of whiteness? You can't. Yeah, you cannot. It's the academy's failed. Right. Uh, a forum at Cal State San Marcos. Is a project from Professor Dreama Moon's class called The Communication of Whiteness. Students called various things racist, including the NFL, women who support President Trump, and the popular animated cartoon that started in 1993 and always ended with Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber's tagline, Remember, kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. Bob Dole needed help yep. to stand up 
and salute with his damaged arm and hand. He, like Bush, was left-handed. Did you note that? Uh, I did know that because I'm left-handed. So I A female that. student made the claim that by humanizing vegetables, the creators of Veggie Tales were using the children's programming to promote racial stereotypes by making the villains racial minorities. <laughs> White supremacists aim to taint the way children think of people of color. It will work. The poster titled Children in the Church reads. These people are mentally disturbed. They are. They're mentally disturbed. Really reaching is what they're doing. Well, they said the the characters were colored. Okay. I don't mean like a tomato would be red. So what would they want? They want uh, they want everybody to be gray. Then they jump to whiteness in the Bible isn't just seen as power, it's seen as good. When kids see the good white character triumph over the bad person of color character, they are taught that white is right and minorities are the source of evil. Well, they have me at a disadvantage here, these fools, because I'm unaware of the program called the Veggie Tales. Are there white vegetables that somehow prevail over a red tomato or something? I, I, I was just looking. I'm unaware of any black the, vegetables, by the way. Yeah, it's junior asparagus, who I'm guessing That's is, green. Yeah, and paw grape. That's well, a, that could be grape colored. Well, it's purple. 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 That's right. There's no grape, grape color. color. Purple. <laughs> I can get you purple. Yep. I, I, and there's the tomato. I, I Tomatoes are see. red. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Th- what is a white vegetable? An onion. Could have a white I onion. I guess. I'd call a white. I'd call an onion old English white. Is garlic a vegetable? Got a little cream in it. Yeah, I don't see um, garlic. What the hell are you babbling about? I don't about? know. I was thinking white. You know? The veggie tails are all green, red. They're not yellow. Right. They're the like female student. The female student who headed up the project reportedly said the evil characters sound ethnic or Latino, while the good characters sound white. Just to be clear, the good guys Bob and Larry are red and green. Those are all colors. All right. Oh. Uh, Eric Metaxas, best-selling author and former Veggie Tales writer and narrator, gave his take on the forum. All vegetables are part of one race, even though they are of many colors. They are all descended from the same parents, the Adam and Eve of vegetables, who foolishly ate a forbidden fruit and screwed everything up for all vegetables descended <laughs> for them, Metaxas told PJ Media. At least I'm pretty sure that's the story. So, so how how failed is the academy when you've you've got a class where you can sit around and dream up utter BS to describe uh, vegetables as racist? I, I submit to you, it doesn't get any more uh, destroyed than that. No, that's pretty bad. Ve- uh, I I would say uh, Veggie Tales is pretty bad, but I would also say breaking down Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer and uh, the same along the same lines is just it's ruining America. It's ruining America. Mysterians, we needed that pushback Mysterians from Bob Dole. Mysterians don't like America. The uh, the uh, administrator at Stanford doesn't like this country. But what about all the people that had that lump in their throat when Bob Dole and his and his authentic those are garage hard logicians. salute? Those are, those are garage logicians. You know damn well Dole told that guy, you get me up. Right. <laughs> the guy hastily get didn't get him up. up. <laughs> he said, I'm going to need your help, but I need to stand up for this guy one more last one last time. And then did you see Bob uh, uh, exhaling as though trying to get his breath after he sat down? Yeah. That's, that's a good pushback, but the people that did get the lump in their throat need to be more vocal uh, about things and, and drown out the sounds of these 
morons that are ruining America. Well, we got Grandma in Florida. I set that aside. We might call her. Did I set that aside? Yes, I did. Yeah, we might call her. Uh, oh, and John, I have to take you to task. Uh-oh. Uh, How long does it get to uh, Mercury? As a 10-year North <laughs> Minneapolis and luckily a 14-year uh, garage logician. I, I know what this is about. I right? feel the need to FYI, Mr. FYI. Yeah. Takis are a savory, yeah. spicy snack, not candy, yeah. that is basically a small baked tortilla rolled into the shape of a stick, not unlike a Cheeto. I actually had people send me uh, texts after listening to the podcast telling me what an idiot I was. It's a lot of fun, isn't it, John? <laughs> it really is. I have worked Just with send many, us Takis. Not I have that. worked with Minneapolis youth as a teacher for over a decade and Takis are the most popular snack. Kids will do just about anything for them. Don't think I haven't used them at times as leverage in the classroom. They are so popular that they even garnered a song written by a North Minneapolis hip-hop group, YN Rich Kids. You can see the music video here. Glad to FYI, Johnny, your field yeah. reporter in the heart of Diversityville, Michael. How's and it then, spelled? T-A-K-I-S. Okay. Another one said uh, from Paul said, Sorry to say that FYI is wrong. Yeah. Takis are the Mexican-made version of Tostitos. They're yeah. corn-based chips that come in a variety of chili pepper flavors oh, from mild to extremely hot. Asian candy? Really? I'm disappointed. Yes. I guess that fact-based has fallen by the wayside. Wow. Just to prove how senile I am, mm -hmm. the night before last, I had a conversation with my kid, and he told me what they were. And then I came on the air and said the opposite. I've never yesterday. heard of them. Uh, why Why are they peculiar to a black clientele? I, I, think I don't his, necessarily think they would be, would Hispanic they? Hispanic clientele Hispanic? is what they would. That's what it was noted to me anyway in the several uh, texts I got. Now, one of them was from, remember Kurt, the bass player? Oh, yeah. Uh, he sent me that. So. It's good to have a large following, isn't <laughs> yeah, it, here in Garage Logic? I, I guess. When you screw up, <laughs> we going to let you know. <laughs> you want to have another John Height newscast? We can sure. do that. Hopefully it's accurate. To which I can <laughs> I can contribute? Yes. Sure. When we come back? are investigating what they're calling a case of racially biased vandalism that occurred last week. According to a spokesperson with the university, the message on a community-created poster was anti-Semitic and reportedly referenced white supremacist and Nazi sentiments. Spokesperson said members of a residence hall staff team responded and removed the vandalism. Spokesperson said staff checked in with residents to see how they were doing, provided contact info for follow-up, and shared information with the bias response and referral network. Officials are investigating hopefully this is a serious case unlike the one in st olf where it was completely made up right bloomington hennepin county and metro transit authorities led a search wednesday morning at the minneapolis st paul international airport where they apprehended a man suspected of stealing a vehicle according to a spokesperson with the metropolitan airports commission airport police were informed at about 9 15 in the morning that a man driving a stolen vehicle had driven along the road leading to the airport's terminal one driver then left the vehicle behind and entered a light rail tunnel, according to the spokesperson. At that point, Metro Transit authorities were notified. Light rail service to the airport temporarily suspended. 
Officers found the stolen vehicle in an airport parking ramp and the suspect about an hour later at the light rail tunnel entrance near Terminal 2. Suspect is in custody and charges are pending, according to the spokesperson. President Trump exchanged greetings with his predecessor, Barack Obama, and former First Lady Michelle Obama after arriving at George H.W. Bush's funeral uh, Wednesday morning. But there was a noticeable lack of warmth between the commander-in-chief and the woman he defeated to win the White House. Bush's funeral brought together all of the living former presidents, Obama, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Jimmy Carter, as well as Trump and his wife, First Lady Melania Trump. The pair was seated in the front row of the Washington National Cathedral next to the Obamas. Trump shook hands with Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama, who greeted him by saying good morning before he took his seat. Melania Trump also shook hands with the Obamas and Bill Clinton and nodded at Hillary Clinton. But neither President Trump nor the Clintons appeared to acknowledge one another when the president got there. Hillary Clinton, the 2016 Democratic presidential nominee, stared straight ahead, while former President Bill Clinton glanced over. Don't they have a sibling named Marvin? The Bushes? Marvin George Bush? and Jeb have a brother named Marvin. What is, really? what is he, third assistant shift leader at Arby's? What's Marvin up to? Find that out for me, Reeves. Marvin okay. Bush. Marvin. What's Marvin mm. up to? Uh, Carter was seated at the end of the row next to Hillary Clinton when George W. Bush and former First Lady Laura Bush arrived at the cathedral. The family greeted the Trumps, all of the former president's wives and their wives. Our presidents, all the former presidents and their wives, excuse me. Oh, my God. I, I typed the wrong name. Whoop. I typed yes, it Marvin. Marvin Barry. Marvin Barry. <laughs> nice. Marvin Pierce Bush. Uh, he's 62, mm-hmm. and he is... He's the youngest son of uh, George, George H.W. Yeah. And let's see, what does he do? Uh, oh. Arby's? I don't know what he currently does. Career. He worked as a director of HCC Insurance Holdings. So he's right. a businessman. All right. Uh, news this morning. Uh, I don't have any details on this, uh, but uh, apparently Senator Amy Klobuchar was on with Chris, uh, Chris Matthews on MSNBC. Uh, that hardball, it's called, right? Yeah. Yep. And she said, yes, indeed, she is considering a run at the presidency. Okay. I have no other details on All that. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Beto O'Rourke, the outgoing El Paso congressman who mounted a strong but unsuccessful campaign to oust Senator Ted Cruz, reportedly met with former President Obama amid speculation he's thinking about a presidential bid for 2020. According to the Washington Post— it's starting already, huh? Mm-hmm. According to the Washington Post, Obama held a meeting with O'Rourke in his post-presidency offices in Washington last month. Although O'Rourke told CBS News' 60 Minutes before Election Day that win or lose, he would not run for office in 2020, the progressive Texas congressman walked back that pledge two weeks ago and did not rule out a future bid. During a town hall in his border district in late November, O'Rourke said he and his wife will think about what we can do next to contribute to the best of our ability to this community. Many Democratic operatives and donors are encouraging O'Rourke to launch a presidential campaign and challenge President Trump in 2020. If he does, the Texas lawmaker is expected to enter a crowded field of Democratic contenders hoping to energize opposition to the Trump administration. Do you think there's going to be a festive atmosphere on that uh, 747? Not necessarily. Hmm. You don't think so? I don't know why. I think some of the somber... I just mean like a backslapping joke telling a family's getting on board. Do you want a little story about uh, George H.W. and his favorite beverage? I won't yeah. I won't tire. I know his favorite magician. That's right. During his undergraduate days working at the bar at the University Club on the Texas A&M campus 20 years ago, Mark Ferries says he used to serve scotch to the late President George H.W. Bush, but he always had special instructions. Mm-hmm. 
I want to say that his main drink was Doers with Water Fairies, now a professor and researcher at the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, told KBTX. But the preparation instructions always came with a twist. The president was always surrounded by a group. If his drink was out, he had this very smooth way of putting his drink behind his back and slowly moving the crowd backwards <laughs> to where he'd come back up to the bar and I could refill the drink behind his back. <laughs> then he'd pull it back and go wherever he wanted to go, and no one would ever be the wiser, Ferry said of his memories of working events for the former first lady, a former first family at their Bush Library and at the University Club Bar. Ferry said that the former uh, first lady... Barbara Bush, too, went the extra mile to get to know him. She came in and introduced herself, which I don't know why she had to, but she did, he said. Uh, so she was concerned that I was taken care of. Was I hungry? If he was, the Texas A&M alum says that Mrs. Bush would make a pimento cheese sandwich just like your mother or grandmother, and the legacy <laughs> of the family's generosity has stayed with him for, uh, ever since. I've held that with me, to be honest, over the years, Ferry said. It shows you the capacity of someone to be a real guy, down-to-earth and caring and loving, to get a position of status and not change. Huh. I love that. Behind his back oh, yeah. and kind of scooching over to the bar. That was his make-a-move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's a little more uh, uh, <laughs> obvious about it, basically shaking his glass as the ice cream go. Uh, hey, we're getting a little... Getting a little <laughs> all politicians are different, though, Joe. It's all right. Well, I remember my old man who was a World War II vet yep. and one of his great friends who was a World War II vet. And his great friend got into my sister's... Uh, dollhouse uh, that was big enough for him to crawl into. Oh, wow. And then he'd stick his drink out the window and shake the shake the ice cube. <laughs> but you know what? That's funny. They were great living Americans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is pimento? It's a cheese. Is it a cheese? I thought it was no, meat. Pimento's the yeah, green thing. olive. You know what a green olive oh, is? Oh, yeah, it's not cheese. The red thing Something that's else. in a green olive, that's yeah. pimento. Yeah. Oh, okay. Pimento. It's probably some uh, sort of racist fruit. I'm, I'm thinking I, of hope pimento. I didn't get that wrong. I'll get yeah. uh, it's pimento. I thought pimento was a loaf. Pimento loaf? Well, you yeah, it, there's uh, pimento in the loaf. In the loaf, yes. It, I, it's just like, look it up and quit sounding like a complete it's moron. It's cold meat with pimento in it, right? Got uh, it. Pimento, pimento. or cherry pepper is a variety of large, red, heart-shaped chili pepper that measures three to four inches long. Well, it's racist. It's red. It's right. red. Hmm. Oh, it's, yeah, sure. Yes. Retired St. Paul Police Chief Bill Finney is among the people tapped by Ramsey County Sheriff-elect Bob Fletcher to join his leadership team. Fletcher making that announcement Wednesday morning. Finney will be under Sheriff of Community Relations. Finney was more than 30 years of public service experience, ran against Fletcher for Sheriff in 2006 in a contentious race, although Fletcher said Wednesday he's always respected Finney. He said he brings years of experience and community relations that are second to none in Minnesota. Fletcher said he and Finney have been meeting and talking for the last year about issues facing law enforcement, and one is the growing gap between communities of color and law enforcement. Fletcher said we need to bridge and close that gap through building trust. Bill is a key community leader in being able to accomplish that. Fletcher was Ramsey County Sheriff for 16 years before he lost the seat in 2010 to Matt Bostrom. This year he ran against current Sheriff Jack Serriere and won the November election. Realbotics, the company behind the Real Dolls sex robots, is ready to start full production on its first male doll called Henry. <laughs> Henry appears to be every... <laughs> and Bob Dole needed help to stand up and salute. 
Okay. Henry might appear to be every heterosexual girl's dream with his rugged appearance and angular cheekbones, which have been compared to a young Brad Pitt. But whatever the claims of his performance between the sheets, well, he still can't do any work around the house. He does come equipped with a uh, silicone swimsuit area that can be customized. He's five foot eleven, and he costs ten thousand hmm. dollars. But the price varies depending on the specs that the buyer picks. Uh, he's uh, a very well in the AI sense. He can recite poetry or lyrics to your favorite songs as well as tell jokes. He can also welcome you home after a long day. Joe, my name is Frank. <laughs> I fill in for Cheryl occasionally on Positive Thursday. Hi, Frank. Uh, the company does produce a range of male dolls, which can be customized. Joe, yes. when Kenny speaks, I can hear radio dials changing channels all over the Twin Cities. I can, too. <laughs> you can pick basic things like eye and hair color as well as skin tone, and you can select penis type, which can be really? detachable. Huh. Yeah. detachable. That's not very positive, Joe. No, it isn't. So far, the sex... Why? Okay, yeah. I didn't know you we were heading down this road. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Why, why would you need it detachable? You can, you can try different. Ones. Yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah. Joe said. Like you get a kit. You know. Yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. that is what I am talking about. I think so. It's like you know well, how wait a minute, you no. know how a drill has different bits. Sure, it's the same. I think so. Same principle. <laughs> that is what I am discussing. So wait, it's like a Dremel tool. <laughs> yeah, you got a little chuck. You tighten it there, and uh, ah, yeah, boom. Yeah, boy, I sure could go for the old quarter inch model today. Mm -hmm. so Word to your mother. <laughs> mm -hmm. So far, the sex doll industry has largely been focused on female dolls. Huh. It's hard to be positive on a day like today, isn't it, Joe? Yes, it is, Cheryl. Oh, I miss Cheryl. Garth Brooks will perform May 4th at yeah! US, U.S. Bank Stadium. His first concert in Minnesota since a record-setting 11-show run at Target Center in 2014. Uh, tickets will go on sale December 14th through Ticketmaster, uh, and uh, they'll be cheap. All fall under one hundred dollars. Well, let's rephrase. That's a relative cheap. term, isn't it? Yeah. Well, for a concert, right. that's cheap. But they're, the, all of the seats are priced the same. The seats are all listed at yeah. seventy four seventy seven. Uh, once you get your taxes and fees from Ticketmaster, it comes to ninety four fifty nine. I'll be going. So, I love Garth Brooks. Okay. There. All right. Well, have fun. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> Out loud. A powerful earthquake that struck in the southern Pacific Ocean on Wednesday sent jitters around the region after authorities warned of possible tsunamis. Luckily, though, no initial reports of destructive waves or major damage. It was a magnitude 7.5 quake it hit in the afternoon near the French territory of New Caledonia. At a shallow depth where earthquakes are generally more damaging, it was felt as far away as 400 miles. Tsunami sirens blared across New Caledonia minutes after the quake. The Pacific Tsunami Warning Center said tsunami waves of between 3 and 10 feet were possible along some coasts of New Caledonia before they lifted the warning. Local authorities in New Caledonia ordered residents to evacuate coastal zones on the eastern edge of the island, including the Loyalty Islands and the island of Ile de Plan. The evacuation order from the regional police said western islands didn't need to evacuate but should remain vigilant. Boy, mother's been rumbling a lot. Yes, yeah. recently. We were just notified from Richie via Twitter, Joe. You were talking about Baby It's Cold Outside needs to be banned from playlists because of its um, uh, intentions, the sure. unwanted advances. It's not alone anymore. Hmm. The Christmas song, as you mentioned, the, I think you talked about that one yesterday, was it not? Were you and Johnny not talking about that Santa one? Baby? Or was it Santa, Santa Baby? Baby? That's yeah. the one you are talking about. Well, 
We've got White Christmas. That's now racist. That's San- racist. Santa Claus is coming to town, sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake. Well, he's a peeping Tom. That's right. Uh, you've got uh, Frosty the Soul Man. Well, he's sexist, not a snow woman. That's right. Uh, you've also got Jingle Bell Rock, Giddy Up Jingle Horse, Pick Up Your Feet. Well, that's animal abuse. That's true. Oh, my God. It's not alone anymore. Yep. We can't play any Christmas songs. <laughs> and the we veggies. We cancel Christmas. The veggies are racist. And the veggies, and the veggies are, racist. are racist. Yeah. Different colors. Uh, speaking of Christmas, a New Jersey school district is apologizing after a substitute teacher told first grade students that Santa Claus isn't real. Oh. <laughs> Dark person. In a letter to parents, Cedar Hill School Principal Michael Raj said once he became aware of the situation, he immediately spoke to the substitute teacher about her poor judgment. He said he was sending the letter so that people are aware of the situation. He then apologized to parents, saying as a parent himself, he is truly aware of the sensitive nature of this announcement. Uh, one upset parent was Lisa Simic. She said the teacher uh, told students Santa isn't real and that parents just buy presents and put them under the tree with Santa's name. Simic said the teacher also tried to ruin the spirit of other holidays. She told them reindeer can't fly and elves are not real. Said the elf on the shelf is just a doll that your parents move around. <laughs> she also told the students the tooth fairy's not real. What's this lady's problem? Why, why is she such a dark person, right. I wonder? She said mom and dad just sneak into your room in the middle of the night and put money under your pillow. Same goes for the Easter bunny. She told them magic does not exist. There's no such thing as magic anything. Tell that to David Blaine. Mont- right. Montville School Superintendent Renee Rovtar issued a statement or saying... David Copperfield. She, saying she was <laughs> troubled and disheartened by the incident. <laughs> Administrators wouldn't release the teacher's name and haven't said if she'd continue to be able to teach in. I think the, the awakening in, in my home with my oldest, um, it, uh, there was a sea change when I requested that we leave out bourbon for Santa instead of milk and cookies. Oh, uh, they figured and it out. And they were kind of, you know, going, hmm, uh, we're wondering why. Bourbon got, and pizza. Right, right. It was, uh, well, we still put out cookies, but, you know, I think Santa wants a little, uh, a nice bourbon. And uh, that may have been a, an, an awakening for them. In Great Britain, a driver is counting the cost of a very expensive McDonald's visit after his car was seized when he was caught speeding. Motorist told police officers he was concerned his McDonald's food might get cold. That's why he was speeding. Ah. The details were checked. It was found he wasn't insured, so his VW Golf was seized by police. Spokesman for South Yorkshire Police said it's been a positive night shift for the beat. The vehicle's driver decided to overtake our officers in an unmarked vehicle at excessive speeds, putting everyone's life at risk. Timing is everything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's really bad timing. Bible scholars think the legendary Ark of the... The Bible's co- racist. <laughs> think the legendary Ark of the Covenant may have landed in Africa after being taken out of Israel. The Ark is said to be a gold-covered wooden chest containing two stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments, which Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, are written. He didn't use Post-it notes back then, huh? <laughs> what was four again? Oh, yeah, four right over there on the dash. Uh, H.W. is about to leave Washington for the last, last time. time. Mm. Uh, it's also that said plane that, doesn't look like it's going very fast. It's going to the end of the runway well, where it can taxi. turn around ah, and get going. Yeah, I, I see. Pick up some speed. There you go, Reeves. How would you like to have a camera inside of that uh, that plane right now? Well, Discussions I, being had amongst the group. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think there's a atmosphere not of, of somberness but of uh, a celebration of life. Who's the first one to fall asleep on the plane? W. W. Yeah. yeah. He's just, he's beat. He's worn out. Yep. Since the Ark vanished, some shut eye. 
shut up. You eye. gave quite a speech, sir. You gave quite a great speech. I was very moved. I know you You made it till the end, and then you lost it. I did it. a couple taps on the coffin, and uh, yeah. I was had a lump in my throat That's the size right. of a grapefruit. That's right. But you made it all the way to the very end. Uh, and that's why I, when I was done, I said, the end. <laughs> that's right. That's kind of how I work sometimes. If I'm all done, mm-hmm. then I will say something as if, uh, you know, close it out, as mm-hmm. if to say, um, the end. That's right. Yes. Now <laughs> old Air Force One's picking up speed. There we go. Yeah, now yeah. it can take More off. speed yeah. is better. The strategery. Or is this Air Force 41 for this flight? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. It's probably Air Force 41. Mm-hmm. There they go. It's leaving as we speak. It's amazing that those things can get Which up Which happened like earlier that. today. What did? Because well, people are listening to the podcast. podcast right. Listeners. Earlier today, yes. as you listen. There it goes. Uh, up and away. Up and away. <laughs> Cav- yeah. What's Cavu mean? He said he put a, he had a little plaque installed at Kennebunkport. Sealing something in visibility. Cavu. Unrestricted. <laughs> Look up Cavu, Reeves. Okay. C-A-V-U. Cavu. You too. Cavu. C-A-V-U, Reeves. I'm looking at Cavu. I'm trying to find it. Ceiling. Oh, C-A-V-U. I was looking at K. Ceiling acceptable, visibility unrestricted. Cavu looks to be like outdoor wear with a K. <laughs> no, it's with a C. That's right. Cavu. Cavu. Educate. The code word used to share news. Okay. Why Ceiling and visibility unrestricted. unrestricted. Ceiling and visibility unrestricted. Yes. It also can say clear and visibility unrestricted. All right. Clear above visibility unrestricted, also acceptable. Well, when you were flying off the uh, decks of those aircraft carriers, that's your, you wanted Cavu. Mm-hmm. Cavu. Ceiling and visibility unrestricted. And watch for flak. That's right. Flack. That's right. I learned that from playing B-17 bombers on in television. Remember that? No, I don't. They would say, watch for flack. And that meant something was coming up. You're less sad than you were two hours ago. I'm over it. It's uh, it, you, have, you have to move on and celebrate his life. Now it's, can't always cry. <laughs> no, no. As I say, you made it all the way to the end. Yeah, the end. You're, you were to be the commended end. for that. Yes. They, I appreciate that, Joe. Uh, my my father, uh, he liked you. I know he did. Yeah, he, uh, he thought you were famous. <laughs> he thought you were famous. <laughs> well, kid, how does it feel to have a famous father? I can't impersonate my dad, but no, no. he went out okay. Mm-hmm. He really did. Yeah. A famous man and the world's tallest basketball uh, no, manager. State's, manager. State's tallest high school basketball That's manager. It. That was your son. All That's in right. one photo. Right. He, uh, he did say his father wasn't perfect. He had a lousy short game. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a joke. And he didn't like vegetables, including broccoli. Hated broccoli. Yep. And I can't even spell it. No. I'm, I'm aware of that, that you can't. Thank you, Johnny. You bet. Is that it? Can <laughs> I go? Because I'm going to get back on the plane. <laughs> the is this the end? This is the end. The end. This is the end. <laughs> Which is opposite of the beginning. That's right. Like the, the wall of China. Has the end. You know, for all the stumbling you're doing now with your grammar, you did give a marvelous, marvelous eulogy. I appreciate that, Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to take off for uh, that plane's up in the air now. It is. You're on the way back to Texas. See ya. Final resting place.